0: Welcome to the Roboticist Chronicles, an ARC specialties podcast, where we get into the nuts and bolts of robots, automation, and the implications of an evolving machine workforce.
1: Welcome to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. As integrated solutions like automation, robotics, and process development become more and more integrated in the manufacturing industry, we decided to sit down with Dan Alford to get some insight on his industry and break down just why manufacturing became cool again. Dan and I are also going to talk about how he built ARC right out of his garage, how he built the right team, and his development on the first collaborative welding robot. How you doing, Dan? Doing great today, thanks for having me on. Of course, Dan, yeah, it was, it's our pleasure. So Dan, I thought a good place to start would be uh, where you started, which was in a garage in 1983. So uh, can you kinda tell us how you came from there to where you are now?
0: Uh, it's kind of an interesting process, at least for me. Uh, uh, entrepreneurial spirit is strong in my family. My dad uh, well, had his own business, and so I think that was my inspiration, But What we started doing was uh, just building or I started doing is building machines in my garage. Uh, The first one was kind of an odd one. Uh, There's a plutonium reprocessing plant with a smokestack and they wanted a uh, machine to do the work on that. Obviously not a good job for humans. It was a great job for a robot. Uh, It worked quite well and uh, well enough that uh, probably about 10 years later, we rebuilt the same machine again. So uh, that was the start, it worked. Uh, I enjoyed the process and seven years later, I went full time with it.
1: So what what, if, what was it like transitioning from, you know, being solo and, and it just being you to, you know, slowly building it, you know, a team?
0: It was a huge relief. You know, you have to understand I would uh, work hard to uh, find some work, uh, design the product. I remember faxing in orders, uh, that's how long ago is where we you're still using facsimile machines, faxing in orders on Sunday nights and then building the machines, commissioning them. And uh, rather than relief at the end of the project, what I would realized was I'd work myself out of a job again. And then the cycle would start over. Once we had a team going here, uh, life got a lot easier.
1: Was it difficult at first to start letting people in or, or making, choosing the right people to let in?
0: Uh, it, it's always hard to find the right people. Uh, Fortunately for me, uh, there's a certain subset of uh, engineers that really enjoy robotics. And uh, one of my engineers refers to this as the robot club. So as long as I can find people like that with some passion and some uh,
1: drive, uh,
0: then then it makes my job easy.
1: Right, right. And I mean, you've been doing this for 30 plus years at this point. What, what do you think has, has been you know, your output that has allowed this business to thrive and, and survive. You know, you, you've you described your skill set as unusual. Can you tell me a little bit about why you, you describe it that way?
0: Mm, two answers here. Uh, first, how it started, and then second, why it's sustainable. How it started was, uh, you know, I was a computer geek in the 70s, and yet I was a hands-on builder. You know, I knew how to weld, run machine tools and stuff. And, and back then, uh, you know, you didn't have any geeks that could uh, – that knew the uh, the industrial technologies and so it was that strange combination of skills that got my foot in the door what keeps us going uh i think is a constant fear of failure so we're constantly looking for new technologies new ways to build machines new ways to design machines and then i guess there's a third aspect and that's the environment you know we're down here in houston and fortunately for us when the oil fields thriving uh there's a lot of problems to solve. And, and that's what we do. We, we solve manufacturers' problems.
1: Right. And I mean, you, you were a pretty early adopter of industrial robotics and, and trying to solve these kinds of problems. So was this out of just curiosity that this interest kind of sparked? Or did you always kind of have faith in, in that this kind of technology was the future?
0: Well, you know, I, like I said, I combined my my two passions, which was building things and writing code. Uh initially when I wrote code, all I could do was uh you know, uh generate reams of paper and numbers. Uh and that was fun. Enjoyed it, but the first time I wrote some code and actually had a motor move, that was gratifying.
1: Do you remember what that was? Uh the
0: very first machine that I put together was actually uh, uh a vacuum leak testing system. And uh this one uh was way back boy i guess early very early 80s and so that machine is so old it was actually based on ladder logic you know and uh but it was hard discrete relay logic you know that was back before we had plcs and then before plcs i'm so old we've called them pcs or computer uh, I mean, programmable controllers, and then IBM came in and uh, created the IBM PC. So we had to come up with a <laughs> new name. So they're now called PLCs. But uh, but before PLCs, there was ladder logic, and so I was actually, in effect, uh, programming with relays. Wow, wow,
1: and that kind of leads us right into you know, ARC developed one of the first collaborative welding robots, right? Can you tell us how how that came to be, and and what it was like to, you know, see ARC do something so insane after you know being in your garage and, and and making that first motor move
0: well it was a lot of fun uh, the, the guys at universal robots out of uh, denmark great guys to work with and uh, they came to us because of our welding expertise you know their robots primarily or let's not say that but initially was focused on material handling you know that that's a good collaborative application but if you if you look at the uh, the work for robots out there uh welding is one of the one of the major uses, so they obviously wanted to to get into welding, and so we collaborated on that, and it fits with my philosophy. My philosophy on robots is they're too hard. Uh, I tell people the largest use of robots in America is dust collection. People buy them, they don't get them to work, they put them in the back and they collect dust. What we need to do is make robots more approachable, more programmable, and easier to operate. And and the collaborative guys, you know, they're all in on on that. Re- on that regard you know they're trying to make them easier to use easier to program
1: as as you start building this team and and as you start what are some lessons that you learned early on that that have still stuck with you and 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 still make sense with what you're doing today never quit learning
0: if you do uh technology will pass you by so you know i'm a big reader uh, both books and magazines uh we're we're big on conferences so we'll we'll go to all these conferences. Uh you know, a great example is uh using uh uh digital signal processors for motion control. The technology was originally developed for turning analog data into digital, uh, but that was actually for music to convert music into digital data. And then once the cost of DSPs got you know got to be reasonable, then now we're using them for motion control and welding and other things like that. So uh you just have to watch uh technology and see how you can apply it to your industry whether it's a uh a chip out of an iPod or
1: uh, or something else right right so you know we we asked you in our pre-interview survey you know what are some emerging trends that you've witnessed within the industry over the past year and and one that i found really interesting that you listed was manufacturing has become cool again can we break that down
0: well when I was a kid, you know, in the 60s, uh, building stuff was, was cool and we did it. You know, that, uh, I built a lot of things when I was a kid and learned a tremendous amount in the process. We built a steam engine, we built a wind generator, we built our own computer terminal. That's how we uh, got to program on a, on a local mainframe. And so there was no stigma against going into manufacturing. You know, it was an honorable profession. And in fact, back in uh, 1980, uh, I think the date I've seen was our gross domestic product was 28% manufacturing, 10% financial services, and then uh, by 2008 that had flopped. When manufacturing was down to 10%, financial services were up to 20-something percent, and and that's what killed the economy. Uh, and historically, you can see that all across the world when when uh, economies try to rely on financial services instead of segments which actually create wealth, like manufacturing or farming or mining, you know, they're doomed. And this has happened all over the world. And and in every case, the recovery is through manufacturing. So I think that people have embraced manufacturing. It's now cool to do it again. Uh, And one thing that I see that that kind of uh, proves my point is all the high school robotics, We're very active with uh, U.S. First, for example, where the kids uh, design and build robots. I've been working with them since 2001. Uh, Great program. Uh, it's, It's just like when I was a kid, except we didn't have a formal outlet for it. We just had to go build stuff, you know, for our own gratification. But now it's become a formalized deal, and and I I wholeheartedly approve that.
1: Yeah. No. Of course, it's super fascinating, right? To see the not only the opportunities that are available today but also how yeah a lot of these stigmas have have totally died right you know even when you just think about pop culture like nerd culture is pop culture today so it it's really fascinating to see how that shift has happened and it's affected everything from the entertainment industry to clearly the the manufacturing and robotics industry so it's a it's a really interesting shift
0: indeed another Another way it's manifested is in all these maker spaces and I think these are a great thing. Uh you know, when I was a kid I was limited to the tools I had on hand. Uh, kids nowadays, you know, if if you join a maker space, uh, there's no limit. You know, you know full-blown machine tools, welders, casting foundries,
1: all that stuff. Uh I I think it's a wonderful trend. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So uh Dan, my last question for you is you know, you've been in this for for 30 plus years so you've seen a lot of ups and downs, and you've seen this, this industry shift around. But I'm curious, with, with all that experience under your belt, what do you see on the horizon? What are you looking forward to? What do you hope for this industry outside of, you know, obviously maintaining itself and, and staying healthy? Um,
0: I see nothing but good ahead, uh, and, and not for all good reasons either. Uh, for example, this uh, increase of minimum wage. I saw somebody say that's actually the Robot Employment Act. You know, as they price labor out of the market, they price robots in. And so I think that's the, the wrong trend, but it benefits my company. So I, so I think we'll see increased manufacturing. We'll see increased automation. Um, you know, and as we take technology from the consumer section, like the DSP technology I mentioned earlier, uh, and apply it. Or, for example, now all of my motors are connected. uh with fiber optics, you know, we're we're eliminating some wiring. So we're technology will allow us to expand the utilization of robots, and society is going to encourage the increased utilization of robots. So uh, looks pretty good for me.
1: Well, Dan, thank you so much for for hanging out with us today and and, and telling us a little bit about what you do.
0: Oh, thanks for having me.